Season 6 of the CMO Suite is presented by Bid for Media. Bid for Media is the leader in providing biddable media solutions across all forms of media, including traditional, digital, social, experiential, and more. It's like eBay for media. Choices from radio and TV advertising to OTT, trade desk, display advertising, influencer marketing, and more. No sign-up fees, no boring training, no bullshit. Visit them at bidformedia.com. Season 6 of the CMO Suite is also sponsored in part by Uconnects. Uconnects provides managed services in the programmatic space for brands and agencies across the U.S. and internationally. It uniquely provides true transparency in the programmatic space by sharing how much of each campaign actually goes to publishers, platform, and how much is profit. If you are looking to better understand true working dollars or are just looking for an audit of your existing digital partnerships, visit them at uconnects.com. That's Y-O-U-C-O-N-N-E-X.com. And Winmo. Winmo is one of the leading sales prospecting tools that delivers the information you need to identify opportunities and close more deals with advertisers and agencies. Search brands, agencies, or contacts and leverage Winmo's smart filters to pare down thousands of prospects based on annual revenue, job title, locations, mobile occurrence, planning periods, and more. Visit them today at winmo.com. And finally, No Kid Hungry. With season six, we'll be completing our 100th episode of the CMO Suite, and we're proud to announce we'll be compiling highlights of our previous guests for a book called CMO Suites, Recipes for Success, with proceeds to benefit the No Kid Hungry organization. Help feed hungry kids by donating today at nokidhungry.org. And don't forget to visit Marketing Cast to catch any previous seasons you might have missed of the CMO Suite or to check out other amazing podcasts in the industry. Once again, that's marketingcasts.com. Now, let's start the show. You're in the CMO Suite, the podcast for marketers who want to be in the know, presented by Connectivity Holdings. You are listening to the CMO Suite. This is season six. It is your host, Sean Halter. As a reminder, the CMO Suite is brought to you in part by Bid for Media. Bid for Media provides biddable media for the masses. Find them online at bidformedia.com. I'm incredibly excited to have as my guest today, Marilyn Mead. Marilyn is the VP of Marketing over at Winmo. It's a great friend of ours. I've known that brand and that company for many years, and I'm excited to talk uh, to Marilyn. Marilyn, all about it. So Marilyn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Excited to be here. You know, I was at ANA not too long ago. I ran into Dave Curry there. He's been just such a great friend. It's one of those interesting things. It's LinkedIn, honestly, that several years ago, I think I ran into him or he ran into me. We, we owned an agency at the time, which we still do. I just don't run it. And we were looking for something interesting. And somebody actually was like, oh, you should look at Winmo. I forget what we were. I think we were using something called Redbooks at the time or something like that. So I checked it out, thought, well, this is cool. This is interesting. Ended up meeting Dave and just uh, we've kind of stayed friends ever since. I had much more hair back then. So, uh, And at the <laughs> same time, you've been there a long time. I have. I have been there a long time. I think six years, seven years, something like that. In marketing, that's like 26. It's like dog years in marketing for crying. If you land, you know, if you're there anywhere for more than it seems like a year or two, I was excited to see that. Gosh, I, I felt like, like time kind of flies in a way, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I think it speaks to the, the culture of Winmo and the culture that the executive leadership team and, and Dave Curry provide, you know him, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and it's a great company to be at. And we always have new, exciting challenges. 
it doesn't seem like I've ever had to be stagnant or, you know, I get bored or anything. So we always have new and exciting stuff going on. Yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't I shouldn't make it sound as if it's Dave, you know, in his garage and he's kind of throwing a little programming together. Like, let's see what this thing does. But um, let's talk about you for a bit. So where did you grow up? Did you grow up up in New York? I saw that that's where you went to school. Or where did you grow up? So I grew up actually in Orange County and then went to New York for college And New York is a place that once you're there, it's real hard to extricate yourself. (laughs) So I was there for a number of years. I think it was 17 years. And then a couple of years ago, moved back to Orange County. So that's where I am now. So you grew Uh, up in Orange County. I'm assuming that's where your family is. Have brothers and sisters? I I have one brother. Yep. And what did your parents do growing up? Uh, uh, Did that guide you in your direction or did they do something completely different? They... What? Let's see. My dad owned a company where he sold handbags to big box retailers. So he had a factory in China and would essentially knock off handbags. <laughs> they were called inspired by right. designer handbags, but they would really interesting business that he was in. He would go to Europe and look at the bags that Prada were producing or whoever were producing. And then they sort of took that as inspiration and made their own versions of it and sold to Kmart, Walmart, those those kind of retailers. So I, that's what he did. He did. I love the pause at the beginning because it's one of those like, huh, wonder what's going to, wonder, wonder how I'm going to answer this. So that was cool. It's interesting. I mean, gosh, you know, our parents are, they're always inspiring us along the way some way. And in that case, you know, again, kind of a funny business, but probably inspired you to realize, look, be smart. If you want to be an entrepreneur, that's one thing. Whatever it is that you do with your life, just work hard and find a space. Find a space. I think my dad, the way that I think he maybe molded me or had an impact on me is he like me, did not study business or marketing in college. And he had begged me. He said, study business, study marketing. And I always tell people, study business, study marketing. But you know, at that age, you're going to do what you're going to do. So totally went off in a different direction. My dad studied intellectual European history at Berkeley. And then after that, just was very bold in his taking charge of his life and making something happen despite not having the background or the experience to build the kind of company that he had. So I think I took that from him that it's okay to go in a completely different direction and to figure out your path and your journey along the way. I remember I was talking to my my uh, therapist, I call her my talkie doctor, and uh, I was having a discussion about my son. I was trying to, again, give him some really great advice. And he was like, yeah, I don't think so. And I remember saying to her like, but I know that I'm right here, Mari. And so like, when is he going to realize that? My son's 17, by the way. And she said, when he's 23, I was like, ha ha ha. She's like, nope, nope. It's going to be around. I'm like, what? I got to wait six years? Uh, yes. Business school would have probably been good for all of us somewhere along the way. That's not, a, that's not entirely bad advice. You know, sometimes you just, you, you navigate your way through it. So you went out to, Cal- or to, uh, to New York and you stayed there for a pretty good chunk of time. And to yeah. your point, it's kind of hard to, once you're there, it's kind of like everything is there. All the people are there. There's always something to do. You can walk right outside your door and get on a train if you need to, or just kind of get wherever. I find New York for me, the hardest part is pre-COVID because obviously COVID has changed some things a bit. All of that hustle and bustle does tend to kind of wear on you a little bit. I find if I'm spending any length of time there, if if I'm there for almost more than two weeks or something, I feel a little sense of agitation unintentionally. And I think it's just that go, 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 maybe mentality a little bit, but I do love it. I think so too. I think it's the word I would use is overstimulating. Sometimes it's just very overstimulating. And once you get in that mindset, it's like you never stop. I like it now that I'm away from there. I like going back and bite size 
you know, I could do it for a week. I do great. I love that energy for a week. And and we're going to be heading there for Advertising Week New York. I think you said you might be considering going. Yeah, I, um, might be, I might be there. By the time this airs, which I think is in a week or two, uh, it, ad, ad Week will probably be, Advertising Week will probably be uh, here and gone. I may do a trip to Miami. But uh, it's great to see that it's back. It's great to see that it's live. I mean, it, it feels, a li- I hate to say it feels a little like a homecoming, but everybody tends to kind of go there. And so if you haven't seen somebody for a year or whatever, or how, whatever length of time, again, kind of taking COVID out of the, that part of the discussion, there's always somebody to see. There's always somebody to do. The speakers are always, you know, again, of a, a lot of different sizes. And I've seen some people like Seth Godin that I thought, where am I ever going to run into Seth Godin? And then here I am, there's Seth Godin. And then I'm leaving from there to go see Bethany Frankel. And you're like, geez, that's... um. You know, how do you pack all that in, in a week? Yeah, you're, you know, you're going from Gary V to Wyclef Jean in sessions. You're like, how do, how did they get all these people in one? But yeah, it really is. It's for us, it's an amazing place to make business connections and to, but like you said, bump into people that we haven't seen for a couple of years. And it's great that it's in person this year. I love that they're doing it at Hudson Yards. Love Hudson Yards. We're really excited. We have we have a panel uh, happening on Thursday that we're doing. We have a happy hour on Tuesday. So it's kind of like the first big in-person event that we have a real presence at. So we're all really excited about it. Again, by the time this airs, everybody will probably have been there and had an amazing time and made great relationships. Yeah, so God bless it. By the time this airs, uh, thank you for coming to our happy hour and our panel. <laughs> we love you. We had a great time. If you lost your keys, don't blame Marilyn. <laughs> Uh, if you came home with a new wedding ring or lost your old one, none of my business what took place out there. So uh, let's talk about your journey from New York. You went to school there. And then when you graduated, what did you do during your time in New York? So my first job out of college was at Pepsi. I'm working in the communications department and great company, great campus. I don't know if you've ever been there. They have a campus in a purchase. It's sort of a little bit upstate, like close to Westchester. Great experience. Although what I learned about myself in that experience is that I thought I wanted to work for a smaller company versus a real big company where it takes a little bit more to get done, a little bit more bureaucracy. So I ended up working after that at a company called Advertising Database, which did something similar to Winmo and was eventually acquired by List Partners, who's the parent company of Winmo. And thus began my journey with Winmo. And we um, came, List Partners and Advertising Database, after that acquisition, we came together, our product development teams and, and myself on the, on the marketing front, and we launched Winmo into the marketplace. And I've been going steady with that brand ever since. So talk about that a little bit. So in essence, it was an acquisition, right? And yes. a merger then to some extent. That's happening all over the place. You can be the CMO for a really cool, interesting company. The next thing you know, there's a merger or whatever. Talk about navigating that just a little bit, if you can. If you can remember back, it wasn't that long ago, but if you can remember back to that a little bit, was it a scary time? Was it an interesting time? Did you know that as part of that merger, you definitely were going to stay on within the cluster and the group? And did you feel like that gave you maybe a new a new opportunity? I actually do remember it pretty clearly. It was April 1st, which is a strange day to do an acquisition. April 1st. Yeah. So I'm an advertising database. And then all of a sudden, Dave Curry, who is the head of our chief competitor, it's like working at Pepsi and the head of Coke comes in and says, we're all part of the same team now. 
and everything you've ever known, you have to like kind of dial back and say, okay, different opportunity. We're going in a different direction. Now we're joining forces with our arch nemesis, our competitor, mm-hmm. <laughs> not our arch nemesis, but no, our competitor in the marketplace, Dave, and several members of their team came to our offices in New York, talked about the acquisition. Several of us were kept on board. And at, for anyone going through an acquisition, it's kind of a weird period. And you're looking to see what am I going to do? What are they going to do? What is this going to look like? Kind of had to have a lot of questions in your mind. And I think what changed sort of the hesitation that I had is I went down to our corporate headquarters in Atlanta and met the team and really liked the energy that they had and the the innovation that they worked with. So I thought this is something I want to be part of. This is something I want to continue with. You know, it's the Tom Brady effect. Uh, I, I, you know, I live in Tampa. And so it's one of those like, oh, I hate Tom Brady. And then he comes here and you're like, oh my God, I love Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think the analogy that I would use to extend that out just a little bit is just this. You could see that with Tom coming here, not to make this a football show because I don't really do sports, but people wanted to come with him. You know, and I think people like being with a winner and they yes. like being with somebody who inspires them. And again, not to say that Dave or the executive team, you know, is the Tom Brady of the industry, but they've built a really interesting model and they continue to kind of build it out and grow. So good for them that you decided to to head down to Atlanta and kind of figure out like, okay, now now I get to date at the new high school. Like how's how's that gonna go? Who's gonna be right. my friend? You know, who can I talk to? And so with that, then did you end up ever moving down to Atlanta or have you always been outside of, of the city itself? I've always been outside. So I ended up staying in New York. I, I considered it for a brief time, but uh, it seemed like it made more sense at the time for me to stay in New York. Then made the decision to move to California. We had no one here. So it kind of made sense for me to do that. And then COVID hit and it didn't matter where anyone was. <laughs> we were all kind of on an equal playing field. Yeah. I was talking to, to again, uh, I don't want to make this the Dave show, but I was talking to some people from Winmo about just that, which is again, this, how COVID has changed those of us that either own companies or, or manage large teams. For me, I always felt like, you know, culturally I wanted everybody in the same office and that was really important. And it, that doesn't take that away. I don't think it changes that element of it, but it does allow you or almost require you just to th- think differently and allow you to maybe say, okay, maybe these millennials weren't all wrong, you know, all wrong. And at the same time, I think for an owner or, or employees, it gives you a chance to, to kind of expand your horizons a little bit. Now the whole U.S. really is kind of an opportunity, whether again, that's for employees or, or for a company or company heads. As I look at that, the adjustment now is figuring out how do you create culture you know, with disparate teams all over the place. And so let's talk about your position now, kind of VP of marketing, and that kind of dovetails into that to some extent. How are you utilizing Winmo or how, you, how are you utilizing your own marketing f- for the platform, either internally or externally to kind of speak to some of those things? Interestingly, we just had, I just went down to Atlanta to meet with my team last week. To your point, they've all been hired and onboarded remotely, which is such an interesting experience to, you know, and a great opportunity for me to build that team. I'm in California, they're in Atlanta, one of them is now in Orlando. And I think to your point, there was a lot of hesitation from people thinking, is this going to work? How are we going to build culture? How are, how are people going to gel? And I think the number one thing I've realized is that it just requires an immense amount of trust. And I think for people who are used to 
being in an office with other people, they're a little bit hesitant and they don't know if I think if you have trust in your team and your team members and you and I do, I 100% trust the people I work with. There's a huge opportunity to allow people to work remotely and you can recruit from different places. And there's a just I think it's a amazing opportunity that we've realized over the past couple of years that we have. Let's talk about Winmo for just a second, and then I want to dovetail back into the marketing element of it, which all kind of ties together. So you have these disparate teams that are kind of working in all these different places, but culturally that allows you, again, to probably have some boots on the ground or some ears to the ground, so to speak, for this is kind of what I'm seeing in New York, or this is what's happening in Atlanta, this is what's coming, you know, happening out West. And you wouldn't think that that's different, but sometimes it really is, especially as people are, again, moving and shifting back and forth this kind of Silicon Valley of Atlanta that's kind of booming right now. And it seems like the more that kind of booms, the more talent ends up either coming there or wants to work for companies that are there, which yes. is interesting. For people who are not familiar with Winmo, which shame on you if you're not familiar with them, but you're you're basically kind of a software as service as one part of what you guys do uh, for the industry. And it's a, it's a database, um, but you can certainly describe it much, much better than I could. So what do you feel like the typical, you know, as you're at Ad Week or thinking about Advertising Week and somebody's like, what's Winmo? What's the what's the slug or the tag you guys use for it? So I I would describe Winmo as, like you said, a software as a service technology that tracks 36,000 major advertisers and the agencies they work with and connects the dots between the decision makers who are responsible for those brand budgets. So at the budget level, connecting the brand company and agency decision makers, the constellation of people that salespeople need to sell to, whether you're in media sales, you're at an agency doing new business development, sponsorship sales, ad tech. We essentially provide a a lead source for people. And in addition to providing contact information and sort of corporate hierarchy, we do advanced predictions on who will be launching campaigns, who will be hiring agencies. So it's essentially a tool that a salesperson can use to direct them who they should be prospecting today, who should be on their list two months from now, three months from now. And then the other use case is just looking up people that they're already hoping to get in touch with and finding out who to talk to. You know, one of the things I think you guys do as well that that probably gets overlooked a bit, and again, this probably goes back to just developing. And now that I'm in that developer space and I want to gouge my eyes out um, (laughs) because developers... you know, one of the conversations I've had with some of the members of that team is how do you get people back on site? How do you bring them back? And that's all wrapped around content. I think you guys really have built a really nice content tool. You can Google search, you can go on DigiDay all day long, but the reality is you guys pull really good relevant content in there and that allows you as a seller or whatever position you're in to lift some of that content up, send it straight out, saves a ton of time. And I think think that that's one of the most interesting things I've seen really, really kind of develop you know, over the last couple of years is just the amount of content you guys push through the platform as well. And, the, and, and giving sellers to that end, giving sellers talking points when they're like, what do I say? You know, I know I want to talk to this brand. What do I say? To be able to look up their profile and see, oh, they're spending the majority of their traditional spend on out of home, or they're surging on Instagram spend, or they're surging on this kind of spend, or to see the news stories that are related. They just hired a new marketing director. They just hired a new agency. It kind of take, puts everything in one place instead of having someone have 500 tabs open and not, re, you know, just like on this like fruitless quest for <laughs> information, just puts it all in one place, makes it very easy. And I've seen in conversations sometimes I might say something to somebody and they'll be like, oh, well, I can pull some of that through LinkedIn. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. It's 
No, <laughs> not, not even close. And I love LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. That's right. my favorite social media platform. I'm like, this is not, this is not a version of that. This is like, if you, if you're ready to do some business and these are your people, this is a required tool. And if you are not using this required tool, your competitors are, and you are missing an opportunity to have access to that kind of information. So talk about your day to day a little bit. Where are you spending most of your time now with the portfolio of things that you guys have? Are you spending it thinking of what's the next great opportunity for me to utilize content myself and push that out? Is it kind of strange to be in this business of here's how you generate talking points and yet that's what you have to do now with your day as well? Do you find yourself in Winmo finding your own talking points? Sometimes, yes, absolutely. Actually, we get a lot of our, when we market to agencies, Winmo is, you know, our roadmap for, for what to say when we talk to people because we have so much of that information. Yeah, a lot of it is just staying close to our customers, seeing what's exciting and new to them, and then seeing it's an interesting thing in marketing. And I work really closely with our product development team as well. So what we're doing is serving the current needs that people have, but also trying to help anticipate the next need that they'll have because the market is evolving so rapidly compared to just 10 years ago, even things are changing so rapidly. The role of advertising is changing. The way dollars are being spent is changing. The way that agency relationships happen are changing. We're seeing agencies moving almost to more of a performance model more and more. So many things are changing. So a lot of our day is spent figuring out how we can anticipate that next need and what that looks like in our product pipeline and how we can convey that value to our customers and how we speak to their pain points. Are you using different channels? I know you guys do a podcast now, something you guys didn't do just a couple of years ago. And so we do have a podcast. We'd love to have you on it, by the way, if you're interested. Anytime. Happy to do so. And you know, I'll sing the praises of the brand, which is good. (laughs) So obviously, again, that's a new channel for you guys to some extent. I I know you've done a lot of episodes with that. What else do you feel like you're looking at out there? What are some of the other things as you look on the horizon of how are we going to be able to communicate to these people who are now, you know, already all over the place, but now they're really all over the place. What's kind of next? for you? Have you thought about that? A couple things that we have done over the past year that I think are really interesting. One is a Slack channel to communicate with our customers. Slack, I, I should be like a brand ambassador for Slack. Number number one, so helpful internally, just you know the huddles and the different things they have. It's been so key for us, but also communicating with our customers through Slack has been great. We launched a LinkedIn group where we can talk to our prospects and anyone who, you know, it's a private LinkedIn group talking to people that way. So I'm thinking in the future, these sort of shared digital spaces are really interesting. These little, I don't want to say subreddits, but like, you know, within Slack or within LinkedIn, creating your own community and sort of activating the voices and the interests of your customers or prospects, just allowing people to communicate with you online in a space where they already work. So we're looking at doing more of that sort of community connection. It is exciting and probably exhausting to see how quick a lot of this is changing. You talk about Slack. I made a I made a face when you said that only because I had begged my teams, don't put me on Slack. Like you guys can do it. I'm not going on Slack. I have enough other ways I need to talk to people. But as I've developed this uh, software service on my side, which is a, a completely different thing than what you guys do, the developers are like, yeah, if you want to talk to us, you have to be on Slack. And I was like, no, no, I pay your check. They're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. If you want yeah. to talk to us, you need to be on Slack. But I will say this. I was on a call with them last week and one of them mentioned the fact that they're, to, to kind of your point, there is an integration that it isn't just 
a text apparatus. There's an opportunity for these little small kind of subgroups that the software itself can notify the team when something is wrong or something's not yes. happening the right way. And so that's probably the first time I'm old. I'm 52. Oh, my club age is 47. I don't know if that matters, but I'm going to throw that out there. It is the first time that somebody actually explained to me beyond the text element of it, there's an integration opportunity with it that creates unique engagement that text can't do. And so finally I was like, okay, now I kind of get that a little better. And then as you talked about these kind of communities uh, in some ways, so I could probably go down that rabbit hole. We could probably spend just a half an hour just on nothing but Slack, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you could do phone calls on Slack. There's so many things that that Slack does, so much functionality that has made them so valuable over the past year and a half that that we didn't even, you know, features and functionality that I wasn't aware of before we were all working remotely and trying to talk to our customers remotely. Um, it's been a huge asset. You know, you've been in basically business to business for the better part of most of your career once you left uh, Pepsi. That's such a unique space and it has changed so much. I feel like back maybe when you first kind of got started in that, you could send a postcard, you could try to get somebody yes. on the phone, maybe you'd send them you know, a blog post or something. And now to your point, there's all these subreddits, there's all these groups, there's all these opportunities. And as long as you can bring some value Absolutely. to that, I think people are willing to pause and kind of look. And so as I think of that value, even in my own side of how do I bring value to bring people back underneath this tent as I evolve into the world that is SaaS, I start to think more and more about AI and machine learning and how, how does that or how will that come to play, do you think, for you guys? Are you using Hotjar on the site or anything, any of this other technology that lets you kind of see what people are really doing while they're there? I'm only throwing that term out because I just learned it last week and we're using it. And so I have to act like I'm really smart. I've used Hotjar in the past. It's a great tool. We actually just started using something called Mouseflow, which is really cool, where it shows you snippets of different visitor journeys on your website and what they're doing. And it actually plays like a really fast sped up video of someone you can just scroll through videos of different people's journeys so that's been really interesting to see how people are navigating our site and often i find the behavior patterns are different than what you'd expect them to be right that happens i think anytime we do you know use like a hot jar or something we're like huh i didn't think people were gonna really hone in on this thing that we just thought was a nice to have but they'll really be interested in something so i think letting your customer any tool that can tell you what your customers are actually doing and break the perception of that you think you know everything and you think you know what they're doing is a valuable you know part of your toolkit what was the name of the other company that's not hard chart mouse flow and i I continue to forget what it's called. I keep calling it like a million different things. I'm like, <laughs> mouse jam, mouse, mouse. <laughs> modest mouse. <laughs> I wonder if they have a, you know, a, a Tinder application. I, I'd, I'd be interested in some mouse flow for my Tinder profile just to see what everybody's actually <laughs> doing there. So let's talk about the future with the time that we've got uh, left here. And so what do you think is next? Is it some of that machine learning? Is it something... Uh, else or how do you you know how are you plotting your your next two years Marilyn I think machine learning is a part of the plan I think in terms of just b2b like you were talking about you know the b2b space what's next I was reluctant to embrace this at first but I am more and more thinking that influencers in the b2b space are going to be a big deal and used in marketing following you know the success that 
the B2C space has seen with influencers. It's already happening in B2B. We're just getting our arms around what our strategy might be, what influencers might be. But it's, you know, influencer marketing. It's what, it's what you do. You know, when you're sourcing guests for your podcast, you're looking at what do they do? What is their audience? What is their following? What's their personal brand? And how can I leverage that exposure? I think that's going to become more and more important in the B2B space. I think that's massive. You know, it is unique. And I don't think I've seen anybody really kind of super perfected other than, you know, obviously some big public speaker groups that are utilizing that as part of it. But hell, I remember when I started this podcast like four or five years ago, I said to Charlie Cole, who was the CMO of Toomey at the time, now he's a CEO of FTD. I was like, hey man, if you'll send me a suitcase, I'll throw a sponsorship on the beginning of this. He's like, yeah, no problem. So I got this really great suitcase, this great backpack. I was like, maybe there's something to this, you know, to this this B2B influencer space a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves because obviously if you are in business, it's not as easy as, you know, lifting up a a can of Pepsi and saying, oh, this tastes pretty good. You got to navigate through it. I think where where I'd be interested to see is in again maybe because it's where my headspace is. But when I look at somebody like G two, again something I was not really that exposed to uh, other than uh, Amanda uh, Malco, who's over there now and uh, knew her from before from the podcast. I'm interested to hear from real people what they think about either forms of software or those kinds of elements, and not just like a little Google review. I mean, if I could click on a video review, I'd chew that up all day long because you feel like it's real. And right now when I'm reading reviews, shit, did we just start a new company here, Marilyn, as we're just thinking off the top of our head here? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit this whole piece out. I'm going to cut, you know, we won't tell yeah. Dave on the side, but we might have a little side hustle here. This, uh, Let's not know. air it. Let's <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> it's nay on the uh, influencer A. Um, but just having video, video reviews potentially from influencers that again, yes. the more you see their reviews, the more they move up. I think I would chew that up all day long. Absolutely. Because people trust people. People trust people more than they t- trust a corporation. So if you see somebody else in your space talking about how great something is and it, it, you just, you naturally want to check it out versus a brand advertising to you. I've never wanted to have an episode of the podcast that not that many people listen to, but you know, if this is the one, I'm going to be okay with that because if if a year from now, somebody's pushing out this B2B influencer with some trendy name, I'm just going to be like, God, if it's you, Marilyn, then we'll know. Then we'll yeah. know. Well, listen, uh, that went fast and we pulled yes, a lot did. of really cool information uh, out of there. So I appreciate you kind of talking to us a bit. I love the business to business space. I do feel like it's underutilized and such a huge, huge opportunity to be able to, again, just market to people uh, differently. So Marilyn Mead, Vice President of Marketing at Winmo, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of The CMO Suite. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for hanging out in The CMO Suite. The podcast for marketers who want to be in the know. Presented by Connectivity Holdings. You're a C-level manager. You shouldn't have to know the difference between behavioral or contextual targeting. But your agency should. UConnex provides brands and biddable teams direct access to platforms like the Trade Desk, Google, Amazon, Facebook, OTT, and more. Their U.S.-based traders can train your in-house team or provide complete transparency with no minimums and CPM-based service pricing for true transparency, something Mighty Hive, the Trade Desk, and Centro simply don't offer. Tired of being the smartest one in the room? Reach out to UConnex today for a free demo. UConnex, the world's leader in true, transparent, biddable media. Season 6 of the CMO Suite is presented by Bid for Media. Bid for Media is the leader in providing biddable media solutions across all forms of media, including traditional, digital, social, experiential, and more. 
It's like eBay for media. Choices from radio and TV advertising to OTT, trade desk, display advertising, influencer marketing, and more. No sign-up fees, no boring training, no bullshit. Visit them at bidformedia.com. And Winmo. Winmo is one of the leading sales prospecting tools that delivers the information you need to identify opportunities and close more deals with advertisers and agencies. Search brands, agencies, or contacts and leverage Winmo's smart filters to pare down thousands of prospects based on annual revenue, job title, locations, mobile occurrence, planning periods, and more. Visit them today at winmo.com. And finally, No Kid Hungry. With season six, we'll be completing our 100th episode of the CMO Suite, and we're proud to announce we'll be compiling highlights of our previous guests for a book called CMO Suites, Recipes for Success, with proceeds to benefit the No Kid Hungry organization. Help feed hungry kids by donating today at nokidhungry.org.